Hear the word of God from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 917 in the Pew Bible. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am not sure that there are two any worse feelings in the world to have than either to feel like, one, you are all alone, or two, that your life has no meaning. And I suspect that many of us, if not most of us, have felt one or both of those tough feelings at some point in our lives. And maybe you're one of the fortunate ones who've been able to avoid somehow grappling with those deep, substantive human questions. But if you're like most of us, including myself over the years, you've had to grapple with those very, very difficult feelings of either feeling alone or meaningless, Have you ever felt all alone? I mean, it's very possible that even though you might have a loving spouse and a wonderful family and and even a close-knit circle of friends, there still may have been those moments. There still may be those moments right now when you wonder if anybody really, I mean, really fully understands you, really gets you, let alone is able to support you in your deepest burdens. When we have those feelings, of course, we'll do everything we can to make those feelings go away. We'll turn to anything and anyone to make that loneliness disappear. Many of us will turn to packing our lives with busy schedules and plowing ahead with deadlines and filling our lives with, well, with busyness. In his book, Soul Keeping, the Christian author John Ortberg says, As much as we complain about a busy life... There is a part of us that is drawn to busyness. It makes us feel important. It gets our adrenaline pumping. It means I don't have to look too closely at my heart and my life. It keeps us from feeling our loneliness. But it doesn't quite work, does it? Those lingering feelings are still there. Oftentimes they creep up in the middle of the night. They make you lie awake and stare at the dark. That that quintessential three o'clock in the morning internal body clock that wakes you up and makes you wonder whether indeed you are all alone. And if that's not enough, there's, there's the second question too, isn't there? The one that might even haunt us more than the first is the question about whether your life has any purpose or meaning or relevance at all. The sense that you are being drawn to something bigger than yourselves. 
the wondering if there is something greater than ourselves that we can align ourselves with, that we can participate in something of value beyond just, just our finite existence. That's, that's a deep question too. A question about legacy, a question of impact beyond our years. But it's more than that. There may be those moments when you question the value of, of religion or faith in your life. Or, or maybe you wonder deep down inside whether those, those nihilists are right. Whether indeed human beings are, are nothing more than just tiny little specks of dust on the, on the canvas of the universe. And whether there is anything really beyond who we are. I don't think there are two deeper questions than these. A longing for meaning and a question of loneliness. I suggest that these are the two biggest questions that you and I face. And I wonder where the answer might come from. I want to suggest to you that the answer for us today comes to us from a most surprising place, from a most surprising source. It comes to us this time every year, but we often choose to ignore it. We, we, we often choose not to observe it. The Christian year suggests that we celebrate this on the Sunday after Pentecost every year, which we just celebrated last Sunday. Preachers, by and large, often don't preach about it. At least this preacher doesn't often preach about it. Preachers usually don't try to, to preach on it, let alone explain it. What is this source of the true answer for life on this particular Sunday? It's the Trinity. One plus one plus one equals one? I rarely preach on the Trinity, and when I do, I don't usually try to explain it. I don't try to get people to understand it. You don't want me to try to explain it, unless you want to watch me make a fool of myself. I'm reminded of that classic sermon illustration where a preacher begins to observe that a particular visitor is only coming to church one Sunday a year, not on Christmas Day, not on Easter Day but on Trinity Sunday. And the preacher begins to fill in the blank with all sorts of motivations as to why this person only comes on Trinity Sunday. He thinks to himself, oh my goodness, this is an erudite, educated man who clearly is drawn to and intrigued by the mysteries and complexities of the Trinity. I must have a conversation with this gentleman. Invite him into my office so that we can discuss the doctrinal heritage of the Trinity and why it is so formative to the history of the ancient church. And so, the man comes to his office, sits across from his desk, and the pastor says to the gentleman, Tell me, sir, why is it that you only choose to come on Trinity Sunday every year. And the man said, Well, preacher, I like to be entertained. And to me, there is nothing more entertaining than a preacher making a fool of himself. That's why I come to Trinity Sunday to hear you try to explain it. We preachers try to explain it. We try metaphors. 
We try lots of metaphors. I'm sure you've even heard a lot of them yourself. Water, steam, ice, or, or an egg, like a, a white and yolk and shell, or, a, or the sun and light and energy. That was C.S. Lewis's favorite metaphor. This past week, I came across what may be my new favorite metaphor. It comes from John Wesley, where John Wesley said, Explain to me how three candles in a room can together brighten that room with a unified light, and I will explain to you the doctrine of the Trinity. But you know what? At a point, every single metaphor for the Trinity breaks down. There is no perfect metaphor. There is no perfect way to completely understand one plus one plus one equaling one. There's no full way to understand it. And that is precisely the point. That is the answer to one of our two great questions. For any of us who are longing for meaning and purpose, for any of us who want to be drawn to something bigger than ourselves, if you are wondering whether you are more than just a tiny speck on the canvas of the universe, the Trinity reminds you that God is God and you are not. For if we could figure out how God works, if we could figure out all the particularities of God, then God would no longer be necessary. There would be nothing greater toward which human beings could aspire. My friend Jason Biassi is a Methodist preacher, and he is the author of a book on the Trinity. And one of, the, one of his favorite things to tell his congregation is this. If you understand it, it is not God. If you understand it, it is not God. In fact, he repeats it so often to his congregation that it's become sort of a call and response where he says, if you understand it, and the people respond, it is not God. He says this in his book on the Trinity. A God we could understand would be an idol. One that we could stuff in our back pocket. One that we could dial in to do favors for us. And so rather than try to explain to you how the Trinity works, which would be folly for me, I want to get to the deeper question. Why the Trinity matters? And the first way it matters, the first great answer to the questions of humanity is that the Trinity draws us beyond ourselves, beyond our limitations, beyond our finite comprehensions, beyond our limited existence. The Trinity reminds us that we are not just specks of dust on the canvas of the universe, but that God is drawing us to something greater than ourselves. And if you're looking for purpose and looking for meaning in your life, then don't turn inward. Turn toward God. Turn toward that meaning and purpose which you can find outside yourself. But here's the other thing. The other reason why the Trinity matters is that God wants to be known and that God wants to be in a relationship with you. 
Because, you see, it's not enough that God is bigger than us. Because if God was simply bigger than us, and God were transcendent, then, then the deists would be right. That God would simply be a giant cosmic clockmaker that would set into motion the mechanics of the universe and create human beings and then step aside and have no relationship with that world whatsoever. That if God were simply transcendent and objective to our experience, then God would care nothing about your life or mine. But the Trinity reminds us that not only is God transcendent, God wants to be in a relationship with you. If someone were to ask me the question, what is God made of? Imagine all of the different answers that I could give, right? I mean, I could say that God is spirit. I could say that God is invisible. I could, I could say that God is tangible, you, that you could hear God or touch God, that God is material, that God is in all things. You want to know my favorite answer to that question? That God is made of relationships. Fundamentally, the essence of God is constituted by relationships. The Trinity reminds us that at God's core, God is interrelationality. God is an interconnected, interdependent relationship between a God who is the Father, who generally self-discloses God's self to God the Son, who then in turn humbly and obediently gives himself sacrificially to the Holy Spirit, who then discloses and showcases and displays the Godhead, God the Father and God the Son. All three of those persons in perfect sync, in perfect relationship within the Godhead. Who is God? What is God? God is primarily a relationship. A set of relationships. And if that's true, if the essence of God is to be relational, then the good news for you and for me is that God wants to be in a relationship with you. God is not only beyond us, God is beside us. Those are the answers to the two great questions. Because if you are looking for meaning and purpose in your life, God is beyond you and wants you to be part of something bigger than you. And if you are feeling all alone, like no one understands you, like you have no experience of unconditional love, then God is not only beyond you, God is beside you. I can't tell you how the Trinity works, but I can tell you why the Trinity matters. Because it reminds us that in God, we have companionship and we have purpose. But I do want to go one step further. I not only don't want to explain to you how the Trinity works, and I not only want to tell you how the Trinity matters, I want to take one final and most important step, which is to share with you how you can live a Trinitarian life. How the Trinity applies and shapes your life. Think of this. Think about the fact that the very first thing we learn about human beings in the book of Genesis is that we are made in the image of God, right? That does not mean that we are God. 
What it does mean is that you and I have the unique capacity to reflect God in our actions and in our being. That we can fully reflect God's image for the world. And if it's the case that God is inherently Trinitarian, and if it's the case that the essence of God is relational, then if you are created in the image of God, you are meant to be in relationship with others. And not only that, you are called to build those relationships in a Trinitarian way, as a creator, as a redeemer, and a sustainer of your relationships with other people, including those people with whom you have a broken relationship. If there is anyone in your life right now with whom your relationship has been strained because of betrayal or mistrust, due to a lack of humility or forgiveness, you have both the capacity and the power to live a Trinitarian life and repair that relationship. If there is anyone in your life, if there is a group of people with whom you disagree because of differences, particularly over issues that you are struggling with, then you are not only wired, you are empowered to be a creator, a redeemer, and a sustainer in rebuilding that relationship, forging new bridges of understanding instead of walls. Think about this. Because you are made in the image of a Trinitarian God, you can be a creator of new hope and possibility, of imagination and creativity in the way you introduce new possibilities and new understandings with other people. You can be a redeemer in the way that you humbly and obediently give of yourself so that other people might find new hope and possibility in your example. And you can be a sustainer in the way that you live with patience and empathy and new understanding to live with courage with all of those people with whom you have a broken relationship. Do you see it? that the only way we can be in full relationship with other people is because God is Trinity and we are made in the image of that God. Let me put it to you in another way. Think about this, that, that every time we celebrate a new kind of relationship in this church, we do so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like whenever two people get married, like right here in the sanctuary, our wedding ceremony includes Trinitarian language in which we invoke God's love, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Just moments ago, when we celebrated a new relationship born in the Clark family, when Dylan Lee came forward with his family, and we celebrated our new family member among us, as a family of God, we invoked Trinitarian language. And I we baptized Dylan in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Think about this. Every time we want to affirm our connection as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a spiritual family, and we gather at that table, our communion liturgy always includes Trinitarian language in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whenever we grieve the loss of a loved one and we gather for a funeral and we affirm our relationship with the saints who have gone before us, our funeral liturgy always includes 
A prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Why do we do all of these things in the name of the Trinity? Is it simply ancient, rote, liturgical language? No. Because to be human in relationship with other humans is to be in the image of a Trinitarian God who not only desires to be in relationship with us, but desires us to be in full relationship with each other. You are inherently Trinitarian whenever you create and redeem and sustain a broken relationship and bring it to wholeness. Now, I don't know how these words might be settling into your spirit right now. I can't possibly know the diversity of stories that are in this sanctuary or online of the, of the relationships that are broken that need to be rebuilt. I'm sure you can fill in the blank if you're not doing so right now. But here's what I do know. What I do know is that for all of us who have been created in the image of this Trinitarian God, we have an opportunity right now during this summertime season that has just begun to repair and strengthen those ties. For all of you families who will be spending time over these next few weeks and months enjoying times of recreation and building new memories, my prayer for you is that you will strengthen those family ties in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My prayer for you, if you are going through a bruised relationship that has been harmed by betrayal and mistrust, that during this summertime there may be enough slow moments in your otherwise busy schedule that you can finally find a way to make that phone call or pay that visit so that you can experience a new relationship with that person in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My prayer for all of us in this bitterly polarized and divided country is that somehow we would forge new bridges of understanding built on empathy and trust and understanding to overcome our bitter divisions as a country and even as a denomination in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is our task, not only during the summertime, but over the years to come. So the last thing I want to share with you is a prayer. It's a prayer that I wrote that is in a Trinitarian format that, that you might choose to keep with you over this upcoming summer season. It's a prayer that will remind you of your task to build relationships in the name of the Trinity. It says this, May I experience love be love and share love with someone else today in the name of the presence, the person, and the power of love. Amen. You might choose to write it down. We're going to share it via social media after this morning. You might even want to take a picture of it. Keep it on your phone and hold on to it throughout the summer. But notice the Trinitarian formulas all throughout that prayer to experience, to be, and to share love. That's Trinitarian. 
the presence, the person, and the power of love, that's Trinitarian too, to a God who is first of all present to us in all things, who, is a, who embodies love to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and who strengthens love in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And my hope is that you will be Trinitarian in the way that you strengthen your relationships with others. First, as you experience the unconditional love for yourself. The way you embody, the way that you be love for another person. And the way that you share that love through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is all about relationships. And so may this be our daily project both over the summer and over the years to come. And may you always remember that you are not alone and you are not without meaning and purpose because God is not only beyond you, God is also beside you and with you. And because of that, you can have strengthened ties with one another. Let us pray. O God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for the doctrine of the Trinity that is more than ancient rote liturgical language, but as the reminder of your essence and as a reminder of our task. We thank you that in you we find both meaning and companionship and that through you we can have restored relationships with one another. God, over this, this time to come during this summer season, we ask that you will create in us holy opportunities to create, to redeem, and to sustain our relationships with one another. For any of us who are experiencing fragile relationships and a lack of humility and forgiveness, help us, O Lord, to reflect your Trinitarian self in all we do. We thank you, O God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who draws us into full relationship with you and the power of the Holy Spirit, which enables us to live beyond ourselves. We thank you for this holy task and for the holy power that you give us. In your name, indeed, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And let all God's people say, Amen.